0: Thank you for listening to this production from New Life Presbyterian Church. If you'd like to find out more, visit newlifepca.org. If you have your Bibles this morning, you can open them to the book of Isaiah, chapter 42. Isaiah, chapter 42. If you are here last week, uh, we preached on just one verse, and we're going to do that again today. Just one verse out of Isaiah, chapter 42, verse 8 is what we'll be looking at. So as you find your place to Isaiah chapter 42, verse 8, I would invite you to stand for the reading of God's word this morning. Hear the word of God. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. There were two ducks and a frog who lived together in a pond on a farm, and the three of them were best friends. And during one particularly dry summer, the pond that they were living in began to dry up, so it became obvious that they were going to have to find another pond, which of course was no problem for the ducks because they could just fly to another location. But the frog was stuck. So what they decided to do was they would take a stick, and each duck would place the end of the stick in its bill, and the frog could hang on to the middle of the stick with its mouth as they flew to another location. And the plan worked magnificently in fact as they were flying to a new location someone on the ground looked up and in admiration said wow what a clever idea I wonder who thought of it and the frog said I did splat I'll give you a second to think about that because it illustrates the danger of the vice of vainglory now vainglory is a term that you don't hear very often today but it is considered one of the seven deadly sins in the tradition of the church, the sin of vainglory. And we can define vainglory this way. Vainglory is the excessive and disordered desire for personal acceptance, affection, approval, and admiration from others, and its public recognition, which of course was a problem for the frog. To be approved and admired with public recognition recognition. Now, of course, we need to be careful. The Bible does encourage us to have a good name and to have a good reputation with outsiders. And it's not so much that recognition and acclaim and approval in itself is a bad thing, but when our motive becomes receiving those things, we do things in order to receive admiration and recognition and applause. We're dealing with the vice of vainglory. Now, vainglory is rooted in pride and it's very closely related to pride. Gregory the Great lived in the 7th century, said that vainglory is pride's immediate offspring. So they're closely related, but they're not exactly the same thing. In pride, we believe that we are genuinely superior to another person. Pride says, I'm better than you. And not just at certain things. I, as a person and, and as a being, am better than you. That's what pride says. Vainglory, on the other hand, is not seeking so much superiority, but simply adoration and recognition, which again, by themselves, are not bad. But the seeking after the adoration and recognition as a motive for why we do what we do is vainglory. And where pride says, I'm better than you, vainglory simply wants to say, I'm more popular than you. I'm liked. I'm adored. I'm admired. I've benefited greatly from a book uh, that I've read on the seven deadly sins by Rebecca de Young. She's a professor at Calvin College in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, she's written a book called Glittering Vices on the Seven Deadly Sins, and she makes this helpful distinction between pride and vainglory. What makes vainglory distinct from pride is love of the show. The vainglorious seek whatever will bring in the most public applause, whether deserving or not. Vainglory is a desire for recognition and acclaim, pure and simple. In fact, the vainglorious will even sacrifice excellence for shallowness as long as it will make them popular, as long as it will make them more famous. Vainglory is style over substance if the case demands it. I've heard someone say that the rock band KISS, sorry for the image, the rock band KISS changed the way that bands were defined as a success in the late 1970s. I've heard someone say that thanks to KISS and all their emphasis on glamour and their marketing techniques of action figures and candy bars and movies and comic books, that you weren't a successful band when everyone agreed that you were making good quality music. What KISS made it be is that you were a good band when every, or a successful band when everyone simply owned your records. They weren't necessarily good, it's just everybody had them. They were popular, not necessarily good. And this is what vainglory is after. Simple popularity. Vainglory is the perverted pursuit of popularity and applause at any cost. And God in our text says that he will not give his glory to another. But with vainglory, we want to claim that glory for ourselves. We want that glory for ourselves. I want us to consider three things in connection with vainglory this morning. I want us to look at the presence of vainglory, the problem with vainglory, and then conclude with the prescription against vainglory. But I want to start with the presence of vainglory. Where, if anywhere, do you see the presence of vainglory in our culture? Where do you see vainglory, this excessive desire for acclaim and approval and acceptance and adoration? and the public recognition of it in our culture well consider this one of the most lucrative industries in our culture today is in the field of cosmetics and plastic surgery now some plastic surgeries are necessary but why is it that people who don't need surgery go get surgery to improve or apparently improve their physical appearance why do people spend inordinate amounts of money for that well it's a symptom of vainglory. All of us read reports about approval ratings, right? Heard about someone's approval ratings, but have you noticed that what's being assessed there is not someone's actual job performance or even the level of production with an assigned task? It's just whether the public approves of them or not. And we sometimes just automatically think it's a legitimate category because we often operate on the notion that what really matters most is not real benefit, it's simple approval it drives us it's in our culture we also see vainglory present in sports with elaborate touchdown dances designed to draw attention to the individual hey look at me look what I've just done I've even seen athletes after making a spectacular play do this they point to their backs you know what's on their backs their name that's vainglory hey look at me the fashion industry and the modeling industry are often driven by vainglory, as is the fitness craze. Now, granted, being physically fit is a matter of health, but I mean I'm convinced that a lot of fitness is pursued, not because it's healthy, but because it's an avenue toward admiration. And not just admiration, I think I think with fitness, some people are motivated not with just being admired, but being found physically desirable by other people. A lot of times, our pursuit of fitness is driven by vainglory. We see it also present in our culture in reality TV. I mean, what makes people sign up for these things? To go on reality TV shows. Have you seen these bachelor or bachelorette shows? And I just wonder as I'm watching them, who in their right mind can think that the best way that they could meet their future spouse is in front of a dozen cameras on a nationally televised program through this game of a process of elimination? What would possibly motivate someone to go on a show like that? Well, I'm guessing in part, sometimes, the motivation in addition to money is the chance to be famous. The chance to be famous. And you know what? It works. Reality TV makes people famous. And so we live in a culture that has celebrities that are famous for uh, being famous, They're famous for being famous. Why do we know who these people are? Now, if you don't know who these people are, it's probably just as well. But if you do know who these people are, why do you know who these people are? Why do we know who these people are? Well, people. People magazine and things like that. That's That's the kind of thing that tells us who we're supposed to know, who we're supposed to admire, who we're supposed to adore, who we're supposed to accept. People magazine. But I'm a people. You're a people. What do we have to do to get in People magazine? Because that way we can be famous. Ah, see, now we're no longer talking about just the presence of vainglory in our culture. When we start thinking about what can we do to get in People magazine and be famous, we're talking about the presence of vainglory in our own heart and in our own life. And it would be a very dangerous thing to assume that the danger of vainglory is limited to places out there. Because the truth is, vainglory is present in the church as well. None of us are above using religion and religious performances to draw attention to ourselves. None of us are above that. Think of the Pharisees in Jesus' day. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, Jesus warns his disciples not to be like the Pharisees because the Pharisees were giving and they were praying and they were fasting in order to be seen by others for the purpose of being seen by them and to garner the praise of others. In other words, the problem with the Pharisees, it was a show. It was a religious show and it was all about the show because that would give them the admiration that they sought. It's vainglory. And do you ever wonder how much of what goes goes on in our churches is just really an elaborate show to convince people how righteous we are, to convince people that we have it all together by the clothes that we wear? If we can just close our eyes and lift our hands during singing, we'll be known as devout, devoted worshipers. Or we might just strategically place our Bible open next to someone so they can see how much it's marked up so they might be impressed with how studious we are of our study of scripture. Or we want to make sure someone sees that we place that check in the offertory plate each and every Sunday. Or we might relish the opportunity to come up front and speak because it gives us the appearance of righteousness. I'm not trying to be overly harsh. None of these things are wrong in and of themselves. It's good to tithe It's good to come up and share about God's grace and the power of his grace at work in life and in ministry. And it's right to be devoted in worship and to raise hands, holy hands. But when our motive is to advance our own reputation as a godly person, it's sinful. It's vainglorious. And so the presence of vainglory is in the culture and it's in the church. But you really have to grapple this morning is... You have to grapple with the question of, is vainglory present in your heart? And as you think about that question, here are some other questions to think about how you can answer that question. Do you ever try to convince people that you are a better person than you really are? Well, have you ever been on a date? Have you ever made something up about yourself that was untrue to impress others? Do you have trouble saying no to people for fear of disappointing them? Are you a people pleaser? And if so, why are you a people pleaser? Is it because you need from them admiration and acceptance and approval? Do you ever do good deeds in order to be praised and recognized for it? Or maybe a better way to think about this question, I think it exposes it more in my heart to read it the second question. Have you ever been disappointed in doing a good deed because you weren't praised or recognized for it? Have you ever stopped doing something that was the right thing to do? Because no one else took notice. I'm not going to do that anymore. What's our motive in those kinds of situations? Do you select fashion and style at the expense of comfort? And if so, why? Why do you do that? Obviously, I don't. Um, (laughs) Are you often guided... By the opinions of others rather than principle. Do you sacrifice principles in order to fit in or be popular? Peer pressure is driven by vainglory. Do you hesitate to share your faith because you're afraid of what others will think of you? How much of our failure to evangelize is about vainglory and about our sin of vainglory? Here's a good one. Do you spend time in group prayer thinking about what you'll say? to make you seem really spiritual? And then after your prayer, wondering afterwards if people were impressed. Be honest. That's how twisted we are in the sin of vainglory. Do you find yourself needing to be the center of attention in order to have a good time? And one that we could add to this, are you excessively shy or easily embarrassed? Because that also could indicate an overemphasis, an inordinate desire for others to think well of you and a fear of not having that. So is vainglory present in your heart and in your life? Well, isn't vainglory present on some level for all of us? And is that really that big of a deal? And what's the problem with vainglory? Well, that's the second thing I want us to look at this morning, the problem with vainglory. Now, We do need to keep in mind that seeking glory is not in itself sinful. It's not a bad thing to seek a glory. The question is, where and how do you find glory? How and where are you going to find that glory? Let me mention four problems with vain glory. First, it leads to other sins. I should just say other sins. It leads to other sins. Uh, Vain glory breeds hypocrisy. Hypocrisy grows out of vainglory. Evagrius of Pontus, who was an early desert monk, observed that hypocrisy is the natural result of a heart sold out to vainglory. And it makes sense, right? Because with vainglory, we have to pretend that we're people worthy of admiration and approval from others, even when we know we're not a lot of the time. And so it's that pretending that is so closely related to hypocrisy. So there's a, there's a connection between what Jesus says about the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 6, how everything is a show, and what he says about the Pharisees in chapter 23, verses 27 and 28. Jesus says this about the Pharisees. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others. That's what vainglory is about, appearing righteous to others. But within, here's the reality, you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. There's a close connection between vainglory and hypocrisy. But vainglory also leads to the sin of boasting. And here's where we see that with vainglory, we want the admiration and approval and acceptance and adoration of others, but we need it to be publicly recognized too. And isn't that what boasting is about? If you're not going to recognize how great I'm being here, if you're not going to applaud me, I'll applaud myself. That's what boasting is. It's self applause and congratulations. And so, vainglory leads to other sins. But the second problem with vainglory is it seeks glory in the wrong things. In other words, vainglory seeks glory in things that are really vain and really empty. They don't confer any real glory. I mean, think about it. We can seek to be admired and applauded and accepted by others for our level of lawn care. Right? That's possible. Wow. Get that how that guy keeps his lawn. Or perhaps how that lady keeps her lawn. And we we relish being admired and noticed and appreciated for something like that. We might also seek to find glory in how clean our home is, be known as the person whose house is spotless, and we relish that, and we take glory in it. We might take glory in our wardrobe. We might take glory or seek glory through the car that we drive, or it might be that we don't drive a car, we drive a truck, and others should admire us and approve of us for that, or somebody else I don't drive a car or a truck I ride a motorcycle and we seek to be identified we seek worth in that and glory in that or it could be our sports ability could be our grades again it could be religious activities we might want to be glorified through our knowledge of the Bible or through our church involvement or through our ministries and the problem with all these things is that they're meaningless like You know, how nice your yard looks. Or they're fleeting, like sports ability. Or they're just plain relative. They might be good things, but they're relative. I mean, how much Bible knowledge do you need to impress others? That probably depends on who you're around a lot. And there's a vanity in that, too, because the devil knows more of the Bible than any of us do, and he's still a devil. We seek glory in the wrong things because the things really are empty. They can't confer any true or lasting glory. Third problem is that vainglory hinders healthy relationships. It hinders healthy relationships because in vainglory, I really have to hide my true self from you because I'm afraid if you really knew, if you really knew these things, I wouldn't be accepted. I wouldn't be approved. So now we have to bear the burden of putting up a false front and keeping up appearances And people don't really get to know who we are in our brokenness and in our need and in our difficulty, which that's part of who we are. But we have to hide that and shield that, and so it hinders our relationships. But another way that vainglory hinders healthy relationships is we tend in vainglory to view people either as obstacles or vehicles to our own program of self-promotion and self glorification See, if people are obstacles to that, We simply avoid them. We don't love them. We avoid people that don't make us feel good about ourselves. Never mind that they may not feel very good about themselves. Never mind that they are objects appropriate to love with the love of Christ. But if they don't work into our program, they don't make us feel better about ourselves, we avoid them. That's how we treat people who are obstacles. But if they are an aid to our program of self-promotion and self-glorification, we'll use them as a vehicle. Because we like to be around them. They flatter us. They make us feel good about ourselves. But this causes problems too, to use people as vehicles. It's a problem that Ed Welch, who's a Christian author, captures well in his book called When People Are Big and God Is Small. Welch writes this, As in all idolatry, the idol we choose soon owns us. It tells us how to think, what to feel, and how to act. It tells us what to wear. It tells us to laugh at the dirty joke. The whole strategy backfires we never expect that using people to meet our desires leaves us enslaved to them. But that's exactly what vainglory does. We're left enslaved to the opinions and approval and acceptance and admiration of others. But notice that Welch touches on what is the biggest problem, and the fourth problem that I want to mention with the problem of vainglory, and that is vainglory glory is idolatrous. It's idolatrous. We want our glory to eclipse God's and we care more for the assessment of others than we do about God's assessment. Remember, our text says that my glory I give to no other nor my praise to carved idols. That's what God says. God alone is worthy of our praise, our worship, and our glory. But with vain glory... We want that glory above and apart from God. See, with vainglory, it's all about us. It's about our image. It's about our reputation. It's about our glory, not God's. Because the bottom line is this. The bottom line with the sin of vainglory is that we want to be worshipped. That's what's at the heart of vainglory. We want to be worshipped by others as gods. We want to be loved. We want to be admired. We want to be adored. We want to be praised. We want to be exalted. We want to be magnified. We want to be glorified as God and above God. That's the heart of the sin of vainglory. And the problem with all of that, you may have heard me say this before, you cannot make people think that you're great and God is great at the same time. Which of those are you trying to accomplish in your life? In which program are you enlisted? The program of self-glory or the program of God's glory? It can't be both. And if you're anything like me, you need to confess your sin of vainglory and you need to repent of your sin of vainglory. But we don't just need to confess it and repent of it. We need to fight against it. And how do we do that? What is the prescription against vainglory? So that's what we're going to consider in conclusion the prescription against vainglory. Let me mention four things you can do to fight against vainglory. One, cultivate a servant's heart. At home, at work, and everywhere, have the mindset that you are a servant of the great king. And because you're a servant, seek out things to do intentionally that will go unnoticed and unrecognized because no one will know who's done it. Because doing these kinds of acts of secret service, we could call them, secret service acts, that no one will know about, it allows us to let go of our need for recognition and applause. And so embrace opportunities to do such things as a discipline. Seek out things to do that you know will go unrecognized and unnoticed. In addition to that, you can resist... Some of the small daily things. Don't demand the best seat at the table or the most comfortable chair in the living room after dinner is over. Don't demand that. Don't be the one that always has to determine what's on the TV or what's on the radio. Don't always take the best parking spot, even when one is available, as a discipline. Because you know what? The person that eventually gets that spot is not going to thank you, because they're not going to know that you left that spot. But as a discipline, you're detaching yourself from those kinds of things. And by all means, don't accept a parking spot that's reserved just for you. I don't know what the plans are for the new church, but please don't make parking spots that are marked out for me or Bob or Adam or Jesse or anybody else. Because see, what those things do when we accept them is they feed our vainglory. And they reinforce this idea that, you know what, it's all about us. It's all about us, but it's not. And so second, acknowledge that it's not about you and it's not ever going to be about you. Ultimately, it's about God. Psalm 19 says the heavens declare the glory of God. Not your glory, not my glory, God's glory. That's why all things have been created. Miss Julia teaches the Sunday school class for twos and threes. And at that young age, she's teaching them a very important truth. When she asks them the children's catechism question, why did God make you and everything else? And what's the answer to that question? For his own glory. Not for your glory, not for my glory. For his own glory. And we just need to start believing that, really believing that, and living like we believe it, acting like we believe it, thinking like we believe it. It's not about us. And we can pray for the spirit of John the Baptist who looked at Jesus, and this is what he said. He must increase, but I must decrease. Is that your goal? Is that the goal of your life? Or is it the other way around? Do you want the glory and magnificence of Christ to be displayed? Or is most of your life about displaying your own magnificence? As small as that is in comparison. Third, seek God's glory in your life then. Seek God's glory in your life. Matthew chapter 5 has already been read this morning as our New Testament reading, but I want to remind you what verse 16 of Matthew 5 says. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory, not to you, but that they might give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Seek glory to be holy and to be pure and to be righteous and let that light shine, but not with the motive that you'll get the glory, but with the motive that God will get the glory. God is glorified by the good that he's worked in us. And the fourth prescription against vainglory is simply this, believe the gospel. The good news of the gospel is that you already have the acceptance and approval, and affection, and love of God Almighty himself, the creator of the universe, to whom belongs all glory, accepts you. And of course, his assessment is is, is the one that defines ultimate reality. And so if you have his acceptance and approval, all else must fail, pale in comparison. And we have that acceptance and approval in and through Jesus, by whose blood we've been cleansed and by whose life we've been made righteous and justified. So we don't have to seek after these things in our vain attempts at self-promotion. They're already ours in the gospel. We're set free from that because we freely receive glory by faith in the cross. Do you want to know where glory is to be found this morning? It's not in all these vain attempts that we have. It's not in self-promotion. It's in the cross. It's in the cross where we find glory. And the world might call us fools for finding our glory in the cross, but the day is coming when God will publicly acknowledge that we are his, that we are his saints, that we are his treasured possession when Jesus comes back and he will bestow upon us a crown of glory. That's where our glory comes from. You see, it is true that God will not give his glory to another nor his praise to carved idols. We will never be the objects of worship, ever, in all eternity. God alone is to be worshiped now and forever. But you know what? God won't give us his glory, but he'll give us himself. He will give us himself. God is our glory. And this is what Isaiah himself says just a few chapters after the one we've read. In chapter 60, verse 19, Isaiah tells us, the Lord will be your everlasting light and your God will be your glory. So let's do this this morning. Let's set aside our vain glory and all of our attempts at approval and self-promotion and find our glory in the approval and acceptance and affection that's ours in Christ. Let's find our glory in God and in Christ and in the wonderful cross. We're going to sing about that wonderful cross in just a second, but let's pray. Father, we do acknowledge this morning that there's vain glory in our hearts. We pray that by your grace, you would remove it and that you would teach us to find our glory in you alone and in the cross of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May all the good that you work in our hearts be an occasion for you to receive all glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.